And welcome back to Rignos Hoops. This is the latest installment of the What's Next series. I'm joined today by my good friend, Devin, a.k.a. Running NBA. Dev, I appreciate you joining the channel, bro. No, pleasure to be on, man. Yes, sir. Um, before we get started, um, I like every guest to explain like either a channel or just their platform on how they create NBA content. So can you go ahead and talk about your, your NBA channel that's doing a lot of growth lately? Yeah, I'm the the man behind run the NBA. Uh, I just wanted to create a, a channel and a community to be able to talk more about basketball because as much as there's a lot of people that like to talk about basketball, it's hard to actually have a community to talk actual basketball with uh, in today's world of, of social media. So at the end of the day, I just wanted to create a, a community to talk about basketball with and, and interact with people in the comments and share my thoughts. And, and that's what I've been trying to do over on my YouTube channel. Yeah, um, he, he kind of left out how he's grown, like pretty much doubled his subscribers in like the last few months. Um, All of his videos are great content, puts a lot of time into the work. Definitely leave his links in the description. We also have a podcast together, me, him, and our friend Gabe. I'm called Three Point Weekly. That's always in the description. Um, Yeah, make sure you go check him out for real, because like he said, he's building a great NBA community on his channel. And it's always great content, and you're definitely going to learn some things. We're going to be talking about the Toronto Raptors today, your hometown team. I had to, I had to rock the Raptors shirt. Because, you know, just had to go ahead and support the team up north. You do like and, to see it. Yes, sir. Um, be, be honest with me. Like, we probably talked about it before in the podcast, but were you surprised by the Raptors' success this season? Because personally, I was. I didn't think that you guys were a playoff team going into the season, but obviously you guys were one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Were you at all surprised about the success of the Raptors this year? Yeah, I definitely was. I, I thought we were a borderline playing team, but I wouldn't have been shocked if we didn't even make the play-in. I, five seed was nowhere near, anywhere near my wildest dreams. I mean, and I think a lot of Raptors fans would give that consensus. I mean, there was a point in time earlier on in the year where we were struggling with some injuries. We fl- slipped under 500. And it was like, are we ever going to see 500 again? And that was a legit conversation for a week or two across NBA or across Raptors Twitter. And I was very much a sentiment of that. It's like, yeah, like we might scrape for the playing tournament, but I don't know if we're quite that good. And they definitely surpassed my expectations from a certain players individually and from a team standpoint, for sure. Talk about some of those players that maybe surprised you a little more than others. Uh, Scotty Barnes was definitely much further ahead of the curve than, I mean, pretty much anyone expected. Uh, he was a high ceiling pick, uh, but I don't think anyone really expected him to be able to come in and win rookie of the year in a class that had Cade perform very well and a class that had Mobley perform very well and a class that had Franz Wagner perform above expectations. Jalen Green as a late bloomer later on in the year. Like this was not a, a bad rookie of the year to be, to be winning rookie of the year. And as far as the class goes, so he definitely overperformed expectations. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. continued to take steps forward as more, he, he evolved as more than just a three-point shooter on offense and improved his defense a lot. Um, Siakam got back to being uh, a top 15, 20 player in the league, showed that he can be an all-NBA caliber player. And Freddie made his first all-star appearance and showed that he can be very good as well. So all those core guys just took some steps forward. No one took this massive leap, but everyone just continued to improve. And then he threw Scotty Barnes into the mix and he just overperformed pretty much everyone's expectations. 
Definitely, yeah. A lot of the guys you mentioned, like Gary Trent Jr. was big. Scotty Barnes, I think, surprised everybody, honestly. Um, but you mentioned you mentioned Pascal Siakam. He had a, I guess, a down year. The year that you guys were in Tampa, I like he was, it was still like a twenty point per game season or twenty one. Like he was still putting up decent numbers. But I just think the entire team moving to Tampa just kind of messed with everything. Do you think his bounce back was more so just being back, maybe in Toronto, being back home? Or maybe he just maybe lost a little confidence heading into that um, 2021 season. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You talk about being in Tampa, and that's going to throw people out of whack. Being in, never mind just a bit out of Toronto. I mean, you're moving from Toronto all the way down to the south of the U.S. You're far away from family and friends and, and where you've been laying your cap for the last few years. You mentioned a lack of confidence. I mean, we all know how much discourse is going on about Siakam at those point in times. No matter the professional, no matter the mental fortitude you have at that point in time in your career, that's going to affect you in some type of way. And so getting that confidence back is part of it. And part of it's just, I mean, some guys were affected more by that extended period off heading into the bubble than others. And it just took some of them a long time to get back into form. I mean, Siakam didn't have any access to any form of even like shooting on a regular hoop during during the time between the league being shut down and the bubble. He didn't touch a basketball for three or four months because he just didn't have access to it and because of restrictions. So some guys just were going to take a bit of time to get back into the swing of things, specifically immediately after the bubble. So I think it it was definitely a combination of things to get Siakam back going, but there was no doubt that that he could definitely get back to it. And he proved us all over the last few months of last season how good he really can be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know if you're in agreement, but I feel like this was probably his best season, even though he missed a little bit of time early on. But it felt like his game seemed even more complete. Like, he seemed like more of a complete offensive player. Like, his playmaking was better. And that's mainly because you guys play this, like, real deal positionless basketball. Um, Are you a fan of, like, not having a big really on the roster that contributes big time? Yeah, I honestly don't mind it. Um, I, I completely agree with the sentiment that Siakam had his best season last year. He, As you mentioned, it, it was just a much more complete game. Even though from a statistical standpoint, you can argue um, years previous have been better. He, he just looked... When you watched him play last year, he was more complete. His mid-range looked much more confident, was much more smooth. His playmaking, as you mentioned, was much better. Uh, he just fit in very well and, and became a much more of a comfortable focal piece of the offense for this team Uh, but yeah there's obviously certain matchups where not having that true center is a problem uh, and you'd like to have one but when you have guys that are long and are physical you can get away with it a bit more I mean Siakam is long and physical OG is long and physical Scotty Barnes is long and physical so when you got multiple guys like that that at least can compete when you're dealing with centers on the opposing end you can deal with it. Now, when you're dealing with an Embiid, when you're dealing with a Jokic, obviously you struggle then at that point in time. But there's not many teams that don't struggle guarding those guys anyways. There's not many teams in the modern NBA that have players that can guard those types of elite centers. So you're kind of going to eat that either way. And I mean, as we saw in the playoffs, Embiid had his games, but it's not like he dominated. And that's the type of matchup you would tend to think where if the Raptors are going to struggle without a true center, it's going to be against a big physical center like Embiid. So I like having multiple guys, specifically on offense, who can play make uh, with, with good vision, who can create their own shot, who can create looks for others. When you're speaking of, of course, just Freddie as your point guard, with Siakam, with Scotty Barnes, who I think has a lot of upside with his vision and his passing 
moving forward. I and mean, we already saw that in year one. I think that role is just going to continue to expand. Uh, so I think offensively, it's really nice. And then defensively, it has its letdowns, especially on the glass at times. But I don't think there's as much of a need for a true center on this roster as some people sometimes make it out to be. Yeah, I agree with you, like with everything you just said, because not only does it give you the offensive versatility, like you mentioned, when you have five guys that are like can legit make plays, like you put the ball in their hands and they can all make plays. And then defensively, it's like you guys just kind of ran into the one dude in the Eastern Conference that would probably take advantage of not having a true big. And even like you said, he had a couple of games where he was where MB was great, but it wasn't like he was dominant for the entirety of that six game series. And with that being said, you guys were able to make the playoffs, of course, as the five seed. And you ran into Philly, um, ended up getting down 3-0, but made it a little bit of a competitive series, forcing it to six games. Were you would you say like that that was a disappointment to not be able to win that series? Because I feel like a lot of people maybe thought y'all were maybe the favorites in that series. I think on the podcast, I think I picked against Philly. Um, I think we all might have picked against Philly, honestly. But were you disappointed at all that you guys were unable to get out of the first round? No, nah, I wasn't disappointed at all. I mean, I never expected us to be there in the first place. Um, so I, I wouldn't really have much right to be disappointed if we didn't then did lose out. But I didn't really love our odds in that series as much as the media was playing us up because of Harden's struggles in Philly and concerns of, of whether he would stay healthy and how effective he would be. And Embiid is just always going to be a tough matchup for a team like us that doesn't have a center. And as much as our length and our quickness and our physicality did make him struggle at times, Philly were just the better team. And at the end of the day, I was a little bit surprised to be down 3-0 I will say that, but I definitely wasn't surprised to see Philly win that series. Philly in six was my pick as soon as I saw that. It wasn't how I thought it was going to be Philly in six, but nonetheless, the post first couple of games of the series is kind of what have I expected for the entire series. Uh, once the Raptors tuned it up a little bit more on defense, got a little bit more active, got a bit more physical, started the show a bit more presence on Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey didn't just turn into God mode for a few games then it was a little bit better. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you would have told me at the start of the year that we were a five seed and we lose in the first round in six games, I would have called it a pretty darn good season. Great for sure. Um, another person that just kind of popped in my mind that was good in that series was Precious Achua, who his like trajectory during the year was kind of crazy because early on in the season, he was terrible. He was shooting probably like under 40% from the field, couldn't hit a three-pointer. And then I, I don't know if it was from December on or January on, but he was like shooting the lights out. And even in that series, he was pretty solid against MB. Um, can you just talk about what changed for him? Like what made him suddenly from somebody that was almost not, not playable to somebody that was a pretty high impact player for you guys? I don't even know if I can exactly pinpoint it. It was so weird for him because he, he wasn't, ever some amazing high efficiency score last year in Miami but he wasn't a bad score in the paint but early on in the year like you said like he just really struggled and like it wasn't like oh it's contested shots or or tough looks that he's missing it was like he's just got wide open looks under the rim and he's just missing them and missing them and missing them and he could tell it was affecting him and of course it would it's a young player in the NBA who's just missing shots he knows he can make he knows he's a good player everyone in their organization knows he's a good player there's a reason the jury wanted him. He's wanted him for a while. But it just wasn't happening. And so other than just more confidence gaining over the course of the year as the shots started to go down, I can't really pinpoint anything significant that happened. But uh, knowing 
the case of Scotty Barnes starting to shoot more threes at some point in time of the year. I'm sure there was some Nick Nurse encouragement in there to, to just give him that vote of confidence to start shooting them. And eventually they just started falling. And, and with the three started, as the three started falling, he started to hit more from the paint as well. But I, I think the trajectory for Achua is quite bright. Um, I don't see him as like some elite level player, but I think he just has really good upside as this really good productive player. Uh, probably the best comparison I can give to someone in the NBA right now is probably a slightly lesser version of a Kongwu. He's going to be this very athletic center who plays with a lot of energy, competes well, is going to be active on the glass, can give you some good defense, and apparently now can give you some three-point shooting as well. So whether that's off the bench or in the starting lineup remains to be seen, but I think he's got a very good NBA career ahead of him. Definitely, I agree. Um, we'll transition into the offseason now. Um, you guys have one draft pick, Christian Coloco. Um, did you get to watch him? I know you said on the podcast you didn't really watch Summer League this year, which I didn't either. Did you get to see any at, any of him at all in Summer League? And if so, what were some of your impressions? No, I, have, I haven't watched anything from him yet in Summer League. Yeah. Um, well, I know you do pre-draft work, and you, you obviously look at prospects. What are your impressions of him and what can he bring to this team year one? Because you guys are typically one of the better teams when it comes to drafting talent. Yeah, I mean, if we are going to head the direction of actually wanting the center, then I think he's a pretty good selection. It's, I mean, it's a second round pick. It's not much risk. Uh, and he obviously has some upside. He has very good length, good verticality, good athleticism. Is what you want in a late in a late pick in the draft at the center position. Someone who you know can give you some rebounding, can give you some room protection. I don't think he's going to have a significant role on the team this year. If he does, it's going to be off the bench in limited minutes. I wouldn't be surprised to see him be one of the most recent guys who just spends most of year one in the G League, gaining time, gaining minutes, and starts to work his way at the system from there. But I think he has some upside to potentially be a guy in the rotation for either stretches of this season or if not, then moving forward as at least a bench big who can provide a little bit of rim protection and rebounding, which is never a, a bad thing to have kicking around. Definitely. Because I'm going to be honest, he was one of the prospects I didn't really tap into that much. I'm just going to be totally honest, but I think it is good to just have bigs on the roster that can potentially, if you do run into an Embiid again, like you can at least throw another big body at him because that's really all you can do with guys like him and Jokic is just throw bodies at him. So, you know, trust, trust Masai, basically. That's what the Raptors have been doing for the last decade or so. Um, your guys' free agency was also, I think, just solid moves. You guys got to kind of doubling down and getting, you know, those bigger wing players, just versatile front court guys. Otto Porter, I think, is one of the most slept on pickups in free agency. Can you just talk about what you expect him to bring and how his wife or girlfriend, whoever it is, is the GOAT for bringing him to Toronto? <laughs> Uh, facts, though. Uh, briefly, just on the colloquial point as well, I forgot. He's also from the same city as Pascal Siakam, so that also helps in the uh, in the transition standpoint as well. But uh, yeah, as far as the Otto Porter signing goes, like you said, um, definitely a slept-on signing. Um, the Raptors needed a true small forward off the bench. We were a team with some guards, although not much of quality after Freddie and Gary Trent, and then a bunch of power forwards is essentially where we're at. And so getting Otto Porter Jr. to come in now serves a very big need as far as a backup small forward because otherwise it's like you're playing Chris Boucher there or you're playing Thaddeus Young there which is fine but don't fully have the mobility at times defensively or at least is not ideal uh, so bringing an auto Porter Jr. is very valuable I mean he he started games in the finals for a reason 
Uh, he, he's a very impactful player from the defensive end, uh, a very underrated three-point shooter, even though he's been a very good three-point shooter for a long time. But I don't think he quite gets the respect he deserves as far as how efficient of a three-point shooter he is. So he's not going to come in and do anything crazy, but he fills in a role that was definitely needed. And is you can never have too many good three and D wings in this league. Yeah, you can never have like too many. And he he killed us in the finals. Like it seemed like he did not miss a shot. Like to be honest, every time he took a shot, I felt like it went in. And just quickly, I feel like um, people kind of forget, like you said, how efficient he is because he had a couple years where he was always injured. Like he just couldn't stay healthy. But like when he was in Washington, he got paid a lot of money for a reason because he was. 40% every year, sometimes like mid to high 40% shooting the three-point shot. So definitely a great addition for you guys. Um, and you spoke about the guard play not being great after Freddie and Gary Trent. Do you think like Malachi Flynn or Delano Ben can provide some type of production off of that bench for you guys this season? I, I think we'll get something from them, mainly because we have to. I don't think Freddie can play 38 minutes a night again for another year. Like, it's just not sustainable. Um, I don't know who that's going to be. I don't think Raptor fans in general know who it's going to be. Like, I've seen polls two weeks ago where 60 to 70% would say Banton compared to Malachi. And then Malachi had his big game in whatever league he was playing in the other day. And now it's like 60% Malachi. So I don't think anybody really knows. But um, if I know anything about the current Raptors philosophy and how they want to play, I would give my guesses on Delano Banton probably being that guy. Uh, he he showed some flashes earlier on in the year and then kind of tapered out of the, of the rotation, but he's got good length. He can compete on the defensive end. His three-point shot is still a bit of a work in progress, but it seems to be improving. And he can attack the rim. He's got decent vision, decent passing. He can work very well in transition. So I think he's probably the most likely candidate simply because of that length and a bit more defensive intensity, although Malachi does compete well on the defensive end in his own right. But... I don't think either of them are going to give you great backup point guard play, but you just need someone who can come in and give you 10, 15 minutes a night and can hold down the fort so Freddie can get a breather every once in a while. And if I, if I had to lay money on someone doing that, I think Banton can probably do the job for next year. But long term, you probably need someone better there. Were you expecting uh, the Raptors to go after like a, maybe a veteran pack, backup point guard that wouldn't be that expensive to bring in this offseason? I was hoping we would bring in someone. I mean, that's it seemed to be the biggest need on the team, and unless you really felt that we needed a center. Um, not that you needed someone great, but like a DeLon Wright would have been great to bring back to Toronto. Um, even someone to a lesser extent, like a Rule Neto. Like just someone who's a bit more of a vet who you know you can get 12, 15 minutes a night out of because you don't need any, anything significant behind Freddie, but you, need, you just need something, someone who can run your offense a little bit in that second unit. And you can bypass that a little bit with staggering minutes with Scotty or Siakam and, and having them run the point forward. But it's still just nice to have at least one primary backup guard. And right now you're looking at either a Banson, a Malachi Flynn, or then an Armani Brooks if he makes the team. But he's not really serving point guard roles or any playmaking roles. So it would have been nice to bring in a vet, but ultimately it kind of fell through. I, I was really hoping for DeLon Wright, to be completely honest, but... Yeah, he was probably that, a team a guy that a lot of teams looked at. That would have been a solid one. Um, if you guys want Peyton Pritchard, I mean, <laughs> we kind of don't need him anymore. I mean, we got Malcolm Brogdon now. We already got Derek White. You don't really need Peyton Pritchard. I mean, if you guys want him, you know, go ahead and send, send some picks, like second-round pick or something. Maybe we can make a deal. <laughs> I got to imagine someone's going to want him. See, he ain't Man, playing for- in, I don't see how he plays in Boston right now. 
his minutes were already super spotty. So yeah, that's I don't know how he's gonna see the floor for real. But um, uh, last thing about the off season, um, were you surprised about Chris Chris Boucher's contract? Because when I saw it, I'm like, hmm, it's kind of interesting. I didn't, I I kind of expected him to sign elsewhere, and then when he got that money, I didn't think he would get that much. Were you surprised? Yeah, it, it was a little bit more than I was expecting, but. In hindsight, it was probably like, yeah, it's probably like two mil more a year than I would have expected. But I mean, everyone usually gets two mil more a year than you expect in free agency if they're not signing under the mid-level exception. So in hindsight, it's not really that surprising, um, considering the fact that I'm sure there were many teams that were interested in his services. Uh, he obviously started slow last year, but I mean, he's still a super valuable player on this team, can still space the floor well, can still shoot the three well, competes hard on every night, competes well on defense, can protect the room a bit. And he's going to be a hometown guy that's always going to want to stick around. So I don't think you can go wrong with keeping him around. And at the end of the day, we're still only marginally over the cap. So you're not going into severe financial trouble to keep him around. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a bit more than I expected, but I'm glad to see him back. I think he's an important part of this bench unit. Most definitely. Um, this is actually the last thing about the offseason um, because this almost slipped my mind, but <laughs> Kevin Durant was made available for trade and it seemed like lately, over the last couple of weeks, like Raptors Twitter has kind of been pushing some traction, and it seems like maybe KD's a possibility. Um, I trust your opinion as a Raptors fan. Would you like how much would you be willing to give up in a potential KD trade? And do you think adding KD to that team would make you guys a championship team right away? That's tough. That's tough. If if we're, I mean, to answer your last question, trading for KD and whether that makes us a title contender is it's hard to answer just based on what the return would have to be because if you're trading away Siakam then probably not if you're trading away Scotty Gary Trent and OG then probably not because now you have no depth so it really depends that if you only have to give up two pieces of Scotty and someone then potentially but if you're giving up Siakam then definitely not and if you're giving up Scotty and two other guys then probably not um but as far as how much I'd be willing to give up, Siakam, I think, has to be off limits because you are I don't think you have a contending team at that point. You don't really have a number two. I think Freddie's a number three. I don't think Freddie's a number two on a title team. Um, another concern then is uh, the injury concerns of Katie, which has to be incorporated into things. And I think that's one of the bigger reasons why a lot of Raptors Twitter has been hesitant uh, with discussion around trading Scotty Barnes because you're trading for a guy who's now uh, in his mid thirties and you're potentially trading away a guy who's entering year two, who, I mean, the potential sky high for Scotty, uh, he might not be as regarded as highly by some compared to Cade or compared to Mobley, but realistically any three of those guys could end up being the best at their peak in the NBA, depending on how their progression plays out. Uh, there's no saying for certain who will be the best of those three. They're, it's still way too early in, in their careers to say that. So ultimately, if in an ideal world, if you could have KD for like Gary Trent, OG, and a bunch of picks, then yeah, I mean, sure, why not? Um, but realistically, Brooklyn aren't going to trade him for that because why would you trade away one of the best players in the league for that package? Even if it is someone who's in his mid-30s on a big contract, who has injury concerns you're gonna want more than that and so i think for that reason that's probably why i don't think KD goes to toronto uh, currently i don't think he goes anywhere unless they adjust their asking prices 
Uh, but I don't think KD ends up in Toronto for that reason. And I'm kind of okay with that because I want to see how Scotty Barnes turns out. Kind of just want to see him grow in Toronto. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you answered that way because, like, the idea of getting Kevin Durant is, of course, is great. Like, everybody would want KD on their roster. But with what Brooklyn's asking for, it's so unrealistic. That's why I'm in the same boat as you. I think he's going to be probably on the Nets when the season starts. He might play this entire season in Brooklyn still, like, honestly, because unless they kind of get real and, like, think about, like, a package of, like, OG and Gary Trent with a ton of picks, that seems more realistic because you're not going to get two all-stars, like, for Kevin Durant. It's just not – it's not possible. Teams aren't going to offer that because you're trading for KD to be a championship team. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, though. I feel like even though the Raptors, the timeline's a little conflicting. Like, you got – guys that are like in their upper 20s with Freddie and Pascal but you also got you know some young pieces Gary Trent's still pretty young Scotty Barnes obviously is only going into year two um OG still I think under 25 years old so a lot of young talent and I think it's fun to watch a team that's got a lot of young pieces but still are contending to be a good team in, in the Eastern Conference which you guys have one of the best coaches in the league and Nick Nurse so there's always going to be a possibility that you guys can you know win a playoff series or maybe two depending on what happens so yeah, I agree. Um, just trading for KD just doesn't seem like it's the smartest thing in the world, maybe, depending on what, what, yeah. what you would have to give up. So, yeah, it's a great answer. Um, and moving on, um, we're in this home stretch here. Obviously, pretty successful season, like we've talked about. Um, you guys, five seed, made the playoffs. Good offseason. Um, what are your expectations for the Raptors in the upcoming year? Man, that's tough. Because as much as logic says to me that Scotty Barnes is still young and he's the centerpiece of this team, uh, the core focus of the season is continue his developments as he can try and be your next number one. But at the same time, based on the contractual situation, as much as it still seems like we're early on with this core, we can't really be. Uh, Freddie can opt out at the end of this upcoming season. Gary Trent can do the same. Siakam's only got two more years. OG's only got two more years. So some decisions have to start getting made. Um, and so where that ends up leading this core could change pretty quickly. So if things bomb out this year, guys could be leaving. So with that being said, uh, I think they're just going to try and continue to compete as much as they can. I don't think this is a team that gets out of the first round yet. There's just too much talent in the East compared to us. I think the Bucs are still better. Miami are still better. And you're looking at teams like Cleveland that are still going to be competitive alongside us. Who knows what's going on in Brooklyn yet? And alongside multiple other teams that are just, they're just slightly better. We're just not quite at that level yet until Scotty Barnes quite makes that jump to being a star. And I don't think that's a year two jump for him. Uh, so I think we're pretty similar to where we were last year in terms of win total and probably similar in how we leave out in the playoffs where we're a tough out, but we're probably a first round exit. And from there, I mean, this is going to be an important year because Gary Trent might leave next summer. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's not a Toronto Raptor or if he even gets traded. Um, and Freddie, I expect to resign, but whether he resigns this summer or next summer remains to be seen. But it's an important year for Toronto. I don't, and I don't think things will be much different. I think we'll see some internal improvements uh, as far as Scotty Barnes continuing to improve. I think OG still has another level to take offensively. Uh, he kind of got thrown a little bit back. Uh, once guys got back from injury, but he definitely showed earlier on in the year last year that he has a little bit more still to show. He's never really taken that big jump that everyone's expected, but year on year, he just slowly adds on. And from the course of like three years ago to now, he's made that jump. It's just been very much step by step. 
Uh, so I think there'll be some more internal improvements, but uh, from a roster component standpoint, this is a better team than last year's team. I just don't think it's going to render in much better performances due to the strength of the East. Yeah, so you talked about the strength of the East. Would that be a disappointment if you guys aren't, you know, moving on to the second round or maybe you guys have the same win total, maybe a little less wins? Like, would you say that's a disappointment or are you more so focused on, like you mentioned, the internal improvements of Scotty Barnes, you know, OG Ananobi and others? Yeah, I don't think it'd really be a disappointment. It's it's more so on the internal development for me. Uh, I think as much as in an ideal world, you'd like to say that Scotty is going to rise to be a star right away and him and Siakam are going to be in their primes together and they're going to be able to run through the East. That might not be a reality. Um, I think as long as you can continue to focus on the development of Scotty Barnes, that is the primary thing right now. And if you can continue to win games while doing so to continue to keep that winning culture, then even better. Um, so I don't think second round can be a true expectation when you're looking at Milwaukee, when you're looking at Miami, when you're looking at the 76ers, when you're looking at Boston, when you're looking at Atlanta and Cleveland, there's a lot of good teams in the East. And I don't think we're a top four of those teams. So with time, if Siakam stays around, if you can have Freddie and Scotty Barnes, and that can be a three-man core for the next four or five years, then yeah, there's some upside there down the road, but it's down the road. It's at least probably a year or two away. That's a great answer. Yeah, the East is tough, but I think one thing we learned about the Raptors, like you can't really place, so, sometimes you can't place the expectations on the squad because it seems like they exceeded a lot of times when people are down on them. So I, like in my opinion, I think maybe the second round isn't like maybe the, the goal, like the focus, like you are expecting that. But I think that's maybe the ceiling for this squad right now. Like they could potentially reach that second round if everything goes right. You know, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they got enough talent that they'll definitely give anyone in the first round that they play a tough out. Um, no, no one, no one that plays Toronto was ever going to have an easy series. It's just the way we play. Uh, there's, there's no way that they're going to go down easy. We're always going to be competing hard on defense and and making it a tough time. So, um, there, it'll be a situation where they'll give themselves a chance to get into the second round. But I just wouldn't consider it a disappointment if they don't. Most definitely. Well, that's the final question I have. Devin, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up? No, that's it for me, man. I appreciate you having me on. For sure. I appreciate you joining. Um, Once again, all of his links will be in the description. Make sure you subscribe to his channel. Check out his latest video, which I believe was a Dallas Mavericks one. Still got to tune into that. And yeah, that's a wrap for the What's Next series, Toronto Rappers edition. This is Reek, and I'll catch y'all next time. Peace.